Welcome to the Ether. Today is Thursday, April 6th, 2023. Today on the Ether, the world of AI with artists and builders. Hosted by B Bands with the Space Skellies. Let's take a listen. I wonder if AI could take some of the top voices from around the world, like l- most listened to voices genre, like in a specific genre, with the most listened to beats, and then overlay it all to find a soundtrack and then. It was so weird because then you, I got a message that you were wanting to do that today. So I'm really happy to everyone can hear it. It was, it's great. How long did it, I got to ask, how long did it take you to make that? It took me 15 minutes. That's why, that's why we're having this conversation. Open AI. Yeah. And in my opinion, that that is sort of the essence. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry for cutting you off, but in my opinion, that is sort of the essence of AI, just like the simplification of the creative process. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's crazy. Um, if you guys can get the guest in here, we're still just hanging out a few minutes. Uh, we're just kind of kicking it back and forth. You'll hear more about the soundtrack later. It's something that was made apparently in 15 minutes. Oh, well, um, I'm gonna, uh, pretty we, unique. We definitely got to play it again for everybody to hear. Um, Sad Boy just got here, which is awesome. And, we'll play um, it later when, uh, he wants to, when he wants to play it. So cause since he's the one who made it, we better just allow him to do the introduction later but all right there's uh who we got here we got sad boys we got department 77 we got racks we got lex with uh passage and then who we got sand we got sandy in here yeah down in the listener if you guys can bring see if we can bring her up yeah i yeah i sent her um uh a mic but i don't think she was able to receive it just and then i did bring um i got mech yeah, get Mech in here as well. I think Straight yep, Light and Mech are going to hit it off. Um, and I'm trying to, and then we don't have Sefi in here yet. Moltres, is he coming or is he in here with Rack? He's in here. He's on the Rack. He okay, should perfect. be on the Rack. Perfect. Um, Mike. So that's just almost everybody. Yes, I don't want to. All right, guys. Well, um, we'll get rolling. We're The space is, I'm sure, is going to go long as it's just going to be long, anyways. If at any time you feel you need to step away because you got things to do, you can just give us a wave and step out. You don't need to hang around and uh, we don't want to force you to be here. Guys, this is going to be a space that is covering AI. Um, Don't even know where this space is going to go. Don't know um, anything. We're just going to let it rock. It's okay. Hey, no, EJ, wait a minute. Uh, Slow down. Slow down, EJ. I asked Chad to see where it was going to go. It's going to go down to the tinfoil hat town. Oh, God. No, listen, I got questions. I just them earlier, so we're good. I have some questions and stuff like that. I um, I just, I, I had a couple things to kind of facilitate the conversation and give it a little direction because we're not doing like a show space. I think it'd be awesome um, if everyone's ready, if we kind of like, yep. you know, said hi to everybody Absolutely. and they just quickly um, 
Because, I mean, we have builders, we have an artist, we have thinkers. And by thinkers, I mean people who wear tinfoil hats. You know, we want to chat about all kinds of things. Like EJ said, this is like not a, a shill space. This is, um, this is a space and the shill is knowledge. So this space is made to show knowledge. So please feel free to introduce yourself. Give us a quick, tell us about your project, quick intro, like this is my name, um, what, how you're using AI per, you know, for your project or personally. And um, hearing from our guests is super important. And I, I want to make sure that everybody kind of gets a chance to talk. So um, if you could try to keep your uh, uh, answers to like one to three minute maxes, you know, and if you need a little more time, obviously, but like, especially when you're going down the rabbit hole, because, you know, I get kind of crazy and I like to go down the rabbit hole and then 15 minutes later, everyone's lost. But I don't want to make anyone lost. But uh, that was actually meant for Sefi, but he's not here right now because he doesn't really <laughs> yeah. like to talk a lot. I love him to death, though. I talk to, I, I love to hear him all the time. Yeah, he gets on his, so, he gets on his, uh, his like rants and it's just like mind blowing. It's hilarious. Right? It's great. But hey, all I'm right. going to introduce so you and then you introduce everybody else. Deal? Got it. Sound good? Because we got B-Bands on the Space Kelly's account. B-Bands is one of the team advisors. I would say her and Saberstein as well up here are the two that we look for uh, when we have a lot of questions within our projects. They do guide the project pretty much everywhere. Um, So if you guys can give them a follow, we have just hats off to them for always sticking around and and being around. So then I am EJ. I'm the founder. But I'm going to let bands take over, and I'm just going to be here listening, and I'm ready for a good time. So bands, take the mic and do what you got planned. Sweet. Because you said you were going to be in Discord answering questions and stuff. So I figured I was like... Yes, that is correct. I'm going to take the reins and be like, hi You know? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So um, guys, let's go around the room. Um, You know, my name is Bands, hanging out here with my friends. Uh, Let's start with, um, you know, honestly, I would love to start with Sad Boy. Hello, Sad Boy. Hi, guys. Welcome to our space. Uh, Thanks for having me. Um, Do you guys hear me all right? I always have like some kind of technical difficulty with my mic, but uh, if you can hear me, that's that's a good start. (laughs) You sound perfect. Oh, thank you so much. Um, Yeah, you just want me to go into a brief intro about uh, myself? Yeah, like who, like um, just tell us about you know, like who you are, what your project is, and then um, how you use AI either personally or how you're using it leverage, you know, for for game for your um project. So my name is Dan, and I am the founder of a project called The Sad Times. Uh, it is three D animated storytelling project. Um, I originally came from uh, the clothing industry. I own a fashion brand called Satire that's about mental health. But for the last, I think, 18 months now, we've been building a project that incorporates people to have their own 3D animated character where they'll get additional uh, videos and, and, and films of their sheep. So it's kind of like a project that never ends. And as my journey through life kind of goes and I try to find my happiness story that you, un- you get with your sheep, you get over time of him also finding happiness. And um, I'm actually here... Uh, because of Lex. So Lex, um, Lex is also a speaker here and he is the founder of Passage, but we worked together for a very long time. A lot of the 3D animation stuff on uh, uh, the clothing brand. And then when I was getting into Web3, he kind of introduced me to the 3D team that I have now. And I'm only just getting to the start of uh, what I think is like a uh, 
what I would say is like AI and, you know, all the abilities of that. But I've been definitely thinking deeply of just like how AI can be really good for projects and intellectual property in general. Because I think as the ability to create content like rapidly and at like AI can kind of make content rapidly and at scale. So now you can create way more than you were able to in the past and give people power to. So I think intellectual property is actually going to be huge and huge, like way, way bigger because it'll be important to like, there just can be so much more content made and AI can, you can work with your community to basically like make unlimited amounts of content with that AI. And then when there's an oversaturation of content, uh, like into like the thing that you can identify with the content itself will be IP. So I think great IP will actually benefit from the uh, like the scalability of AI creating more content. Awesome. Thank you so much for that answer. You know, since you mentioned Lex, um, maybe we can go on to, to let to Lex next about Lex, you're next. Um, tell us about yeah, yeah, yeah. how you use AI and just quickly about your project. No, 100%. So we're building Passage, which is a um, uh, social creator platform. Uh, basically, I mean, it's really the next generation of creator platform. It's allowing people um, to create content uh, in similar formats that they do. Basically, it extends the traditional creator format or the, um, I mean, what I would say is kind of like the uh, last generation or um, the, the current iteration of content creation. So like video, live streaming, text, images, it extends that into uh, 3D, right? And so it's a, it is your, your typical social platform and adding 3D functionality into that. There's a lot of cool things that go into that, but the biggest element of building a 3D social platform or a creator platform is that there's so much content. You can create so much content you need to create to give people all the options they need. If you think about something like Roblox uh, or Unreal Engine, a big part of what they've invested in those ecosystems are assets, the ability to create assets, import assets, assets they offer by default that might be free with the engine. If you use the engine, Unreal spent tons of money acquiring companies like Megascans so that they can get access to their library of assets. AI gives us, we get to the point where we can, um, you know, take a picture of a tree and be like, I want this asset, right? And the AI can create it in 3D, an optimized model with PBR textures and all the 3D things. Um, that that can be read by you know any applicable game engine, um, then that's going to be huge, right? Like, and and that's a big part of what we've been digging into. We've been talking to a lot of teams that are, um, whether Kadem is one that we talked to their CEO recently, um, who are doing different versions of AI uh, modeling and um, AI uh, uh, 3D asset creation. That pipeline is huge because the production time. And Dan knows this because uh, we work together, but like with the, the amount of time and cost in creating professional, and I will say bad time sheep are like Pixar quality beautiful. Oh no, I got my sheep yep. and I got my little sheep coin yep. too. And I, I, since midday, I love my little yeah, sheepy. Yeah, exactly. And that is, is expensive. And so like, I love the way Dan has extended the IP. I totally agree. I totally agree that ultimately IP, the stories you create, because what AI can't do, and some people might challenge me on this, which, you know, we could talk about. AIs can't make stories, right? They can repeat what other people have said. Uh, they can extend, they basically extend humans. That's kind of my supposition about AI is that they can extend what we can do. 
And so it adds a whole lot of power to small teams like ours uh, looking to compete with, you know, uh, uh, cr to create IP and creative content on the level of Pixar, right, or Studio Ghibli, um, but without, you know, a team of hand-drawn animators, right, or whatever it may be. So super excited about the future for content creators. That Okay, so we're, we're talking on uh, both you and Sad Boy are talking about it in a content creator kind of, um, you know, ha having that information. So let's go on to our next guest. Um, Mech, can you tell us about um, how you about your uh, quickly about your project and how you use AI um, in your project or personally? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, AI, oh shit, like I, I love AI other than thinking about uh, Terminator coming true one day. But, you know, that's a totally different topic for another spaces when we're talking more about. No, we got, I think we got I think we got like five more years. We're good. We got like. Right. Hey, years. I mean, we're shit, good. YOLO, live it up while you can. These these events are going to be lit for the next five years. Now, actually, I, I caught you in the Brozo space the other day. I love what um, every all of these Polygon projects are doing lately. But um, I'm David, head of. I was being a little silly, David. I just wanted to. Okay, I just wanted to say. No, that. All, all good. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm going to be at NFT NYC too, so uh, you know, definitely link up or something like that. For sure, let's link up. Yeah. But yeah, um, I'm David, head of community development for Mac.com, and we are a gaming company building on Polygon, utilizing AI to give everybody the opportunity and you know utility to create their own games and in-game assets just like lex was saying and i i pinned something over there to the top um we've been doing this building this custom game engine we've got our own engine infused with ai that i'm gonna get into in a second but we've been doing this since november 2021 and initially we've created all of our nfts all of these mechs using generative ai so all, all of them are made and rendered in whatever complicated format that these AI genius guys set up. But our gaming engine, we built this from scratch, basically. We've got experience building gaming engines. Our CTO built his first engine with the iPhone 1. And our CEO's previous company was called BuildBox, which is the largest no-code gaming platform that exists even today. Uh, one, one app, a big success story from that was called Color Switch, generated $100 million in revenue. Um, we've got extensive experience in the gaming industry, but what we're doing with AI is the, the fun stuff, pretty much. Um, we've got the, you know, open source stable diffusion and what we have on top of that that's built into the gaming engine is multiple, like the best way that I can, I can phrase it is multiple complex layer twos, layer two AIs that sit on top of the stable diffusion. They were trying to explain it to me in technical details, but to be honest, that shit goes way over my head. Like, I'm the community guy, and I do spaces, and I love video games. But, you know, that's the, the TLDR of it. You're going to be able to use these uh, prompts just as you would in ChatGPT and MidJourney to create in-game assets and build your own game with these. Uh, you're going to be able to design the map, set up the structures, the, the images, the assets, however you want. And we've got the gameplay modes and the physics and the coding, everything predetermined and set into the engine. So it makes it extremely easy for anybody to do it. And it's browser based. But you're using but you're using AI. Oh, it's browser based. Yeah. That's awesome. But you're using AI. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I pinned a video to the top. You're going to be able to type something in just like you would in mid journey or chat GPT. And it's going to render a bunch of different 
assets for you to choose from. And you just add those to your asset bank or however we're going to call it once we release all of these tools. And you're going to be able to build your own level for these games. You're going to be able to choose from different types of shooter games, first and third person, racing games, drifting games, capture the flag, uh, multiplayer online battle arena, single player games from uh, something like Match 3 Candy Crush, puzzle games, runner games, a lot of the really fun stuff that's hyper casual and very addicting for people to play. Um, that's the, the the main aspect of it, being able to create your own games using AI, being able to create skins, um, level ups or, or you know, um, additions to the mechs, whether it be armor or weapons, upgrades to them. And that's the, the, the TDL, that's, TLDR of it. That's awesome. That's awesome. That sounds amazing. Um, I did hear you on other spaces. I just wanted other people to kind of hear, you know, a little bit about it. I thought that was fantastic. Um, so let's go on to our other two guests. Um, let's hit up Department 77 and then we'll go on to Rack and then we can go into our tinfoil hats or theories or the, any, what, any topics that we want to discuss. All right. Hello. Uh, yeah, I'm Straylight. I'm a designer and builder primarily. I run uh, Department 77, which is like a browser NFT strategy game type thing. Um, I also do some design work for other projects in Web3 here and there. Uh, I'm an, I am an AI radical on a macro level. I've uh, been into AI for a couple of years and I use AI at a fairly low level in Department 77, but at a much higher level in a new side project I'm building uh, in evenings and weekends. And that project kind of uses a like custom trained persona um, on top of ChatGPT to create like an artificial co-founder that acts as a creative partner. It gives advice on business strategy. It helps put together investment pitch decks and, and so on. It's just, um, it's, it's basically I'm treating it as a, I'm talking to a co-founder over Slack or something. Um, and uh well, yeah let's stop there for the intro i can get into more details later that is so cool um okay raccoon uh moles is that you yeah hi guys how's it going there you are yeah going good how are doing you doing fine doing fine so uh yeah hi my name is uh Moltres. uh it's not my real name but uh basically one of the co-founders of uh, raccoon supply we uh we just launched about uh, a year ago i would say and then since then, we launched our NFT collection, which is AI generated. And uh, basically, uh, I'm the guy that created the, uh, it's, it's an AI model, basically a deep learning model that created our artwork. So if you guys have any question and stuff like that, like stable diffusion or talk about GANs, I basically did some studies and research on AI. So I'm very excited to be here tonight to just talk about this. It's very fun. But uh, basically, how we use AI in our specific case is for our NFT collection. And one other project we would like to do is basically bring machine learning slash AI on chain. We already did some like model on chain on Juno testnet, and it was working well. So that's pretty pretty much it. And just to speak a bit more about our project, we're just two guys and a half, and we're currently uh, building a gambling platform and also an NFT marketplace. Very happy to be here. Yes, and actually, we do have another guest, uh, Brian, who made that awesome music for us. Hello, everyone, and a wonderful evening to each one of you. I'm already in impressed with the speaker panel. I believe this will be a wonderful space, and I'm already impressed from what I'm hearing. 
I'm the founder of an NFT project called the FOC. And as one of the utilities for that project, I am building a website that will basically aggregate all the different open source AI models that people can use to generate images, generate video, generate audio, because I believe there are already lots of amazing, exciting AI tools, but they are packaged in such a way that sort of feels overwhelming and throws people away. I'm also hosting weekly Twitter spaces focused on AI. I love talking about this tech. I have been obsessed with AI for a couple of months now. I, I think I talk with ChatGPT maybe even more than with humans. And I, I just love being up to date on this technology. I love learning how to use this technology to make my life easier. I love to use AI to code. I love using AI to write, and I also do AI rap songs. And I have made an AI rap song for this Twitter space. It took me 15 minutes. And in my opinion, that is sort of the essence of AI. You can have an idea, and until now, you had to have a lot of technical expertise. You had to have a lot of knowledge to turn this idea into a reality. And what I am seeing with AI is that we as humans are put more and more into the positions of just people who come up with ideas. And all of the technical hard stuff is done for us. And that's something incredible. And I love to be at the forefront of it. So I'm excited for this space. And thank you for letting me be here. Thank you so much. And you know what, guys? Um, it's about 60 seconds long. I'm going to play it. Um, it's fantastic. I just listened to it. So give thank me one you. second. I'm, I'm sorry, but it's two minutes long. I'm not sure whether you have heard the entire version. My bad. I didn't mean to mute everybody. Hey, bands, you, I definitely uh, <laughs> muted everybody on accident. I apologize. But I was going to say, you can play for like, you could play 30 seconds now if you want, and then 30 seconds later or play it all at once. Um, yes, it is long. It is long, but let's just do like 30 seconds to a minute. Welcome to the world of AI. We're breaking down the code. Got the brightest minds in the game. You know, we're never going to fold the sad times with the heat and passage with the beats department 77 with the wit and raccoon supply with the tweets. Retweet the space. Let the world know what's up. We got CFI on the mic spitting fire like a dragon's cup. Moltres rack with the vision and Sandy Toes with the wisdom. This AI game is strong. Never going to need no system. Church key with the flow. OC with the style. We're talking neural networks and algorithms. Yeah, we going wild big data, deep learning. We got it all up in here. Twitter space so lit. The competition's looking like they're in fear. Retweet the space. Let the world know what's up. The sad times with the heat and passage with the beast. What's up? Department 77 with the wit and raccoon supply with the tweets. This AI game is strong. Never gonna need no cheat. The world of AI space where we learn and we grow. Pushing. So hit that retweet button. Let's spread the word. Were you guys able to hear that? Yeah, it was yeah, good. It's yeah, pretty yeah. good. We'll move the mic closer closer not... on the next. But hey, if you guys want, what we're gonna do, what we're yeah. gonna do is drop that link into the comment section below if you guys want to download the full version and see how ai can be used to produce soundtracks that would be awesome so if you could <clears throat> drop that link that you sent us um, through dms and then people can download that and listen but bands take it um, i just want to let you guys know it is uh it's pretty awesome that this can be done i thought it was a person i thought it was a real person he was like no it's a chat gpt did it wrote it sang it delivery and everything. I thought that was pretty, that was pretty cool. So, um, Hey guys, I'm going to ask a quick question and then, um, you guys can kind of decide who wants to, you know, answer it. But, um, so open AI say, said that 80% of the workforce will be affected. That's 300 million jobs globally. 
and that they need a six month halt on AI, you know, adding, you know, learning to anything more powerful than chat GPT for. So we're kind of already seeing the effects that you don't need the same amount of people to do the jobs that you needed before, because we have algorithms and AI that have been helping to do it. Now, um, do you, um, why do you think that Elon and the other tech leaders want to slow AI progression um, from anything more powerful than the chat GPT? Like, does it feel like maybe tech leaders are trying to gate knowledge or if somebody would like to chime in? Oh, Mech? Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> honestly, I, I, I think that the reason for all of that is definitely something that's going on behind the scenes that we're not privy to the 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 actual information that people are concerned about what i believe what people are telling me that the real issue is is creating this type of ai that can actually think for itself and i've got a friend who owns an ai startup and he was telling me that theirs can actually rewrite its own code there was an is there is an instance of it that it rewrote its own code encrypted it and then deleted old code, the exact amount of megabytes to make it look like the same amount of data was taken up so that you wouldn't notice any changes. Some forms of AI are honestly scary, but I, I think that the real issue is something more along the lines of, you know, we, we all know that Elon funded OpenAI and there's a lot deeper than we're really listening to in the news. But you know, I mean, the the form of AI that we're all using, whether it be for efficiency tools, these different Twitter, Twitter platforms, um, uh, stable diffusion, chat GPT, mid journey, there's nothing wrong with those. But the issue is that it's more along the lines of the bigger picture. And to be honest, I don't think six months is going to do anything like it's the same thing with Intel. What they have in their R&D department is years and years and years ahead of what's public. Same thing with the government. The government's years and years ahead of Intel. So whatever is really going on, the bigger players already have access to the more advanced versions. And, you know, I think it's more along the, more for optics. And one thing is there definitely needs to be some form of regulations, just like with crypto. I mean, AI is extremely powerful. And I hope that we don't get a bunch of Karens from, from Congress writing it because that could mess everything up. But we do need some people who are well-informed. Get, get the guys from OpenAI, get Elon, get all of the real experts and have them craft some form of guidelines. I mean, yeah, I, I basically agree that, especially that last point, I think, it's, I think it has everything to do with um, being able to legislate this stuff, right? Being able to create regulation. Uh, what, what are they going to do in six months except, you know, kind of create the laws that, for one, potentially... Uh, give a, a uh, an advantage to um, people who are in first, right? Open AI is not actually open, right? Um, so that's going to happen. I believe some of that's necessary, and some of it's probably, you know, just uh, uh, to be advantageous to those who are, who are in and have an opportunity now. Um, but also, like, I don't actually think um, AI is, uh, is a big deal. Uh, I think I'm not worried about losing jobs. Like, for one, this this vastly underestimates human ingenuity, right? That like people are going to create more jobs because now they have more ability to accomplish more, right? People are going to create new opportunities. There'll just be new jobs, right? Jobs change. And so, yeah, people who are not uh, able or willing to innovate or learn might struggle to adapt, right? I mean, but it was the same thing with the internet. It's been the same thing with every technological communication development. All of this stuff um, develops over time and people adapt and more opportunities are created. 
not less, right? We, we can have fewer people doing less meaningful jobs, potentially, but I don't think it actually reduces the, the opportunities available to people who are willing to, to work and hustle and create something new. Um, and I'm also, I, w- I would be curious, super open to um, uh, uh, counterpoints to this. I'm not worried about AI being sentient. For one, I've got a fundamental uh, supposition that uh, humans have a unique spirit that is apart from, I- I'm not a uh, uh, materialist. I don't believe that the uh, cells and atoms are all there are uh, in this world. And so I think there's a fundamental difference between you know, a binary creation uh, in a database like an AI in uh, a human uh, that has a, a creative spirit. Um, but also, I mean, everything this AI does was literally put into it by a human, right? Like it was literally programmed in from the outset. It can do things that you didn't explicitly request it to do at the outset, but they're always derivative of the things that were programmed at the outset, right? Whether it has the ability to change its own code or whatnot, all of these things are formulated at the outset. So there's nothing you get out of an AI that in some way, shape, or form is not derivative of what was put in. I guess I can jump in there. Yeah. Yes, most certainly. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to give everyone a chance yeah, to talk. I just yeah. wanted to make sure that Lex uh, was done with it. But uh, yeah, I just want to jump in and say, I think it's, it's one of the big reasons why they're trying to, not to stop AI or development and stuff like that, because we've only seen like the tip of the iceberg. Because as of now, what we're seeing is just like ChatGPT and uh, what they're doing like with the mid-journey and stuff like that. Is, is what they release to the public and what they have in the back or what they actually use is pretty much like even bigger. So like, for example, if we can like from an AI perspective, you can see when, when we talk about deep learning, it's like every part of a deep learning model is seen as like an artificial neuron. So what if we have an AI model that has as much, as many neuron as a human has? Like at the end of the day, uh, at the end of the day, this AI model is so flexible and has so much capacity to learn things because basically how it works for AI model is you send them like a bunch of text. It's going to learn from the text that it reads or images that it sees. So if you're able to train a model for, let's say, a month or so, but he's been able to, to see a lot of information, he's going to learn it by heart or learn a bunch of stuff and make connections. So I think it could be some sort of dangerous at some point because these models can have so much capacity that they can do things that us, we cannot even think of now. So for sure, it's not dangerous. They're not going to like take control of the car and stuff like that. But still, it can be a bit like worrisome that these models become a bit more intelligent than, than us. So I don't know. And the other thing I wanted to mention is that I think it was Mech that discussed about this is to have some sort of legislation. Because when you train an AI model, you just give him some many point, many data points. But what if in your data you have bias, and then there's false information and stuff like that, and the AI actually learns from this false information and have some bias, then he's going to give you some crazy answers. Like ChatGPT sometimes gives you like weird answer because it's bias and stuff like that. So I think it can be a bit worrisome. So FOC, you had your, uh, Brian, you had your hand up for a second before Department 77. Um, did you want to keep going or should I? I, I would just like to say that I, I also agree with the fact that this uh, six-month break wouldn't really fix anything. And I believe that the people who are higher up, who have more information, are basically trying to position themselves in a better way 
as this AI technology will be very disruptive, but something that in my opinion, people should be looking into in, ter in terms of uh, legislation is how easy it is with AI to generate any sort of fake news. You can currently generate photorealistic images and you can generate audio recordings that sound exactly like the real thing. So in my opinion, that is the thing that people should be focusing on way more than the intelligence getting more intelligent. It's how we work with information and how we perceive it, how we consume it. Department 77? Yeah, unfortunately, regulation means, that means Karen's in Congress writing it. Those are the people who create regulation. The, the smart people are not the ones designing regulation. It's written by career politicians and their only motive is power. So regulations will never be shaped to be truly in the interest of the people. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm an AI maximalist. I've been experimenting with AIs for a couple of years now. My position is uh, admittedly a bit radical, and that is that I think AI should just be unleashed upon the world without any restrictions whatsoever. Uh, and the reason I think that is because I'm looking at it from the perspective of, you know, thousands of years of repeating the same cycles over and over again. Uh, we keep killing each other, empires rise and fall, and we repeat this, you know, exact same pattern over and over again, no matter if it's 2023 or 1923 or 1523. So my position is that AI is the only chance we have of kind of breaking the cycle and level up the species as a whole. And I don't, I don't really believe in the Skynet kind of narrative. I think uh, that is kind of anthropomorphizing AI too much. Uh, I think there's uh, probably a reason why people like Elon Musk and uh, a lot of rich people are worried about AI because it, it, it will shake things up. Uh, it will definitely shake things up. It'll upset the status quo. So I don't really care about the, like, the surface level stuff, like being worried about deep fakes or fake news or political bias and stuff like that. I think those things are uh, going to be leveled out and flattened out, and they will be completely minor in comparison to the potential long-term benefits of AI. And those, all those things will even out over time. Super quick note, I think AI solves those problems as much as it causes them, right? We'll use AI to discern AI-created content, right? Very good point. Mech? Yeah, I mean, that, that is definitely one point of view. And I don't even think, even if I did agree with it, I don't think I'm allowed to say from a company account because that kind of goes against, like, everything that's mainstream right now. But, you know, um, I, I, I see the benefits of both sides of it. I just don't think that's realistic to expect that no form of regulations or guidelines are going to come for technology this powerful. And, you know, one, one, one thing that I wanted to touch on before was the jobs. And one thing that it's definitely going to do is make it so that if you do know how to utilize these AI tools, that's going to make you way more favorable. And it will cut down on the positions needed to, you know, for, for that specific professional. Um, one major area is going to be the video game industry. You're going to go from needing 10 developers to one highly skilled developers who can use all of these AI tools. And also that that's going to open the doors for indie developers to actually get a good game going. It's going to, Amen. Yep. yeah. And it, it's going to do something else. Well, I'm pretty sure some other speaker mentioned the IP. It's going to make IP incredibly more powerful because as of now, that's something AI can't do. It can't make something like Futurama. It can't make something like the Simpsons. It can't make the Smurfs. It can't make Jurassic Park or Pokemon. So if you're creative and you can come up with something like that, 
you're going to be able to really get your get your IP out there through all different forms of distribution. No, I totally agree with that. And a big part of what's exciting to me about this, I feel like in a lot of ways, creative creative people haven't even fully, I feel like because we're creating, um, we have a bigger space, a bigger palette in which to create, right? These 3D worlds, um, 360 video, VR, augmented reality. Now we've got more space than ever. Games have to get bigger, right? These huge open world platforms, right? Sorry about the train. Um, and um, for, for us, what that means is that creators have to be deeper in their mindset, right? They have to be more creative, right? At Passage, we use this term world builder, right? We believe that creators will have to become world builders in a sense, and that they're going to have to fill out a much bigger palette. And if you don't have a deep story, if it's shallow, right? If it's, if it's you know, these Hollywood um, repeats and copies, right? The, the sequels, the sequels, um, it, it's not going to stand out, right? Because people have this deep, deep palette uh, of, of three dimensions to build upon. Um, and a lot of ways to create content very, very quickly, but it's going to have to be solid, right? It's going to have to be based on a, on deep, you know, philosophical framework. It's got to be meaningful and to connect with humans on a deeper level. And, and by the way, I think regulation is coming. I think they're going to try, but, but I don't think it's going to work because I think what we're going to see is the same kind of momentum that we saw with MP3s in the beginning of the 2000s. Like it, people are going to want it too much for them to stop it. And eventually... Uh, everyone is just going to have to adapt to that new world like we have done now with like Spotify and all that stuff, taking care of streaming and all that stuff. But yeah. That was funny. The alarm was going off. I was trying to shut the alarm off. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 this is awesome. Um, so, you know, I, I, I was, um, I was listening to what you guys were saying and everything. And I um, was listening to Neil deGrasse and he was sharing how AI didn't scare him. And he he was currently, he was saying AI can't come up with a new thought or have an epiphany. So essentially AI is deriving all of its information. Like let's say, like Lex was saying, you know, from what is being provided. So I just thought that was interesting. I want to just throw that in there because I was going to ask a question about what you guys thinking or how you feel about chat GPT being tethered or how you feel about it. You know, it's not allowed to do certain things because how it might affect the person entering the information. Like um, Department 77 said, he doesn't think that it should be. It should be just let, you know, let loose or whatever. Um, what do you guys think? I think I could well, add um, something cool in, in there. So basically, maybe it's, it's going to be a sound a bit weird, but just imagine like in, in your day-to-day -day life, you're just seeing in three dimensions and then you see like a, a glass of wine, you know, it's wine and stuff like that. But how, for example, the uh, mid-journey model or like this one that works to generate new image or generative model, we call it, is it's, it's so weird how it works is you, you're just going to send them like an image or some text and then it's going to create a new dimensional thing. So instead of seeing your image like in colors, what it's going to do is going to look pixel by pixel. It's going to create some like what the actual model thinks of what it is. So instead of seeing the world in three dimension, it's going to see the world in like, let's say, 2,000 dimension, and it's going to create their own way of seeing things. So I think an AI model is actually able to see things different than us, how we see it, because a model can go in higher dimension. I know it's kind of weird to hear about it, but models like can see in like 300,000 dimension, 300, dimension if it wants to. So at the end of the day, like these models are very good to see things that us, we don't actually see because they are able to 
I don't know, create their own representation of the world. So that's why these AI models are kind of creative because they're creating something that us sometimes we don't think of and they just create new connection or new kind of stuff that we didn't think of. So it's how usually these models work. They just create a new representation of the world. So it's, it's kind of weird, but it's kind of fun to actually know that they are able to see the world, but just a bit differently. Yeah, that, that's, that's uh, one way of it. Like one big part of AI and machine learning is matching. I, th I think it's called matching data sets. Like I'm no expert, but I talk to a lot of people. And one of my friends who is an AI expert, he was explaining to me that having chat GPT, the reason that, that open AI has so many safeguards on it is that this computer system, whatever it is, is extremely powerful. If it didn't have those safeguards on it, we could literally say, decrypt this, get me into the whatever government department of national security archive computer, and it would find a way to do it. I can't technically explain how, but my, like, you know, I, I was told that's what would happen. So, you know, there, there are ways that this technology could most certainly be abused in the wrong hands. And you know, that, that, that's one reason that we just can't give it complete reign free for all right now. Like the sheer power level of this stuff is something that we've honestly never experienced before in humanity. Like us, I'm sure the government has all sorts of crazy shit that I don't even want to think about. But for what we have access to, nothing compares to this. And, you know, it, it's going to take some time to get it right. I'm sure a lot of bad things are going to happen. Someone did mention deep fakes. That, that's a horrible thing. And in the wrong hands. I mean, ju just think about what could happen with that. So, you know, we're, it's going to be a learning curve and there's going to be ups and downs. Eventually something's going to happen. But, you know, it. a lot of people don't really understand the depth and actual power of what this can really do yet. I had a comment, but Department 71 first. I think uh, FOC was first. Thank you. That, that's kind of you. Yeah, when it comes to AI and it's quote-unquote creativity, it's only able to replicate what has already existed in here. It's only able to do remixes of data that it has been fed in the past. And so in this way, even though I believe there will be hundreds and hundreds of different AI-generated images and videos and movies and all of that stuff, it will still never be able to replicate the human connections that we get from seeing an art piece that has been created by human. Because that's something that, in my opinion, isn't really replaceable. We, we as humans, we tend to connect with things that we see ourselves in. And if AI cannot feel the pain of the journey of creating something, we mm. can put to that deeply. Yes. Department 77. Yeah, I think I would actually question that claim that uh, it can't be creative because uh, like if, you, if you're writing a song, for example, as a musician, you're, uh, it's often like the idea is often sparked from another song or a riff you've heard or an idea you got from like another uh, or just watching art or whatever. So it always comes from something else. And that is basically what it's doing. I don't know if there is such a thing as a truly unique idea that uh, comes from absolutely nothing. Like all artists, as far as I know, uh, you know, take take from other things, and that's what it's doing. And and I gotta say, like when I run, uh, when I use it as a creative partner in my kind of trained model, 
uh, I would say it's pretty damn uh, creative. Like it's coming up with stuff that I've never heard of before. And it's, I mean, it is, it is pulling it from somewhere, but it's probably also combining three different ideas in a way that no one else has ever done. So uh, I, would, I would say that that is being creative. Sad boy. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I just wanted to kind of bring an artist perspective. I think just for me, I'm like very in tune with trying to capture energy and emotion. And I would say like, um, I mean, this is just my opinion, but uh, at least not yet, but I can't really see like I use AI and I use ChatGPT every single day, but I don't see it actually being able to like record. Like there's something primal about like art, like art and for my opinion is that it's almost like a capture of energy and the capture of like someone feels this way and then it filters through like, you know, something that's maybe like more even like ethereal. And then he's able to relay that energy and transmit it to you. So art is a transfer of energy that was done onto someone giving to somebody. And I have even while using AI, like I, and I really haven't yet, and I'm not saying this won't occur in the future, but been moved in like a way that I always thought was like energetic. Not that it was like soulless, but you, I was just like that almost like primal, like feeling of like, when you hear a song, you're like, oh, that person knows exactly how I felt. And like, Mm. now I'm connecting with it. I haven't yet had an AI make me feel that way. And I, and I don't know if it's possible. Maybe one day it can get so close. Sad boy. Wow. Maybe you're not spending enough time with him. With your <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm spending so much time. And it's, so, it's so creative, right? Like I'm having write poems, Bukowski. I'm writing like I'm having it. I've, I've given every poem I've written and told me to spit something back. But for some reason, like that almost, that feeling of like connecting to something that's like more than just like, words like that energy field that i get from listening to a song like i've yet to be touched in that way and i'm not saying yeah. that'll never be possible mech yeah. oh sorry well no yeah i was just gonna hop in with the comment i was saying before um the with, with all of this comes down to that fundamental concept that i was you can't talk about this without talking about the human soul right because your your belief about what can come out of an ai is going to be fundamentally driven by whether or not you believe in a materialist world where we're all one type, we all break down fundamentally to atoms, right? The same kind of stuff or whether or not humans have a fundamentally different characteristic, right? Like a human soul. I believe there's only one creator who ever created out of nothing. So that's kind of to your point. Uh, I believe it was department 77. Um, I believe, you know, God was the only one who actually created out of nothing, right? We all create in some derivative sense, but the point is that, I believe because of the human spirit, we add something fundamentally new, right? It's not to say that we are, we could ever be uninfluenced or unbiased or un, that we don't draw from real sources and real experiences um, that are outside ourselves, right? We draw from things that are outside ourselves, certainly, but we also add something that's inside ourselves. And because I believe in that fundamental divide between, um, you know, uh, uh, independent beings like humans and, you know, uh, uh, an AI, uh, I don't believe the AI has anything fundamentally new to add. So it is only derivative. Um, it is not derivative plus the origination of the, of, of the, of the spirit within a person. And, and Dan's describing okay. energy too. I, I, hear, I hear what you're saying. Um, but I do want to circle back on that because I, was, I, I wanted to, I do, I have a question about that. But Raccoon had his hand up and Mech did, but Mech was next. Mech, what did you want to, and then we'll go to Raccoon. Yeah, I, I wanted to add in that 
a lot of the research that's being done with what's called these AI neural networks is definitely going to end up mimicking some sort of creativity depending on how it's programmed. If you get someone like Drake, you get one of these big talented artists to program an AI, it's going to be a lot more efficient and, and come out with much more quality than someone like like me would would uh, make. But I don't think the issue is with that. No, Nobody really has a problem with chat GPT, with learning, with creating art. It's the creative AIs and the efficiency models. Those are incredible and everybody should learn to use it. It's the types of AI that can do things on its own and be weaponized that people are worried about. And the, the only thing I wanted to add is about creativity. So, you know, when I, I talk a bit about like when the AI actually creates its own dimension, if you want to, guys, if you want to look online, it's called a latent space. So, and one of the things that we can do with models when you're actually trying to understand, because it's kind of hard to say when an AI model is good, when it generates, when it's a generative model. But one, one thing that you can actually do is in this latent space, that the space that the, uh, that the AI model creates, you're actually able to change a bit some of the variables inside of this model. So let's say the model is able to represent like a sunset and a tree. So one thing you could be you could do is just add some weights or change a bit these latent variables that they can interact with themselves. So the model will create something like a let's say creative because you're trying to mix two things together and the model is actually able to capture it. So it's a bit weird, but these models are able to see things then, and then you can see in, in their vision and then mix things together. So I think that's where the, creative, the creativity comes from. I don't know if, if that made sense to everyone, but these models are, are creative. I think so. It's just my point of view. I, I think they're creative too. Uh, I wasn't saying uh, my point wasn't that they weren't creative. It was just uh, like a different type of art. Like it was in, I think art is supposed to make you feel something like energetically and emotionally. and. Um, I'm not saying that it's not create creative, uh, just n not in what I would normally describe as like something that, you know, like is, is art. I think art is like connecting almost to other people I, and feeling less alone in something. I, I totally agree with you. I, I think one of the things that these models are not able to capture because they don't understand it is like feelings. Like, you know, when you see a piece of art, you, you get, you generate a feeling, you just get emotional and stuff. So. I think these things, the model are not able to see it because you don't have data points to tell them, oh, this is this emotion because it's different from person to person. So you're not able to send these data points to the model. So I wonder if it's going right. to understand it at some point. So Sebastian Borg, the co-founder of Sandbox, he was talking about, um, he was being interviewed and he was talking about a, an AI application that allows users to upload their videos from a smartphone take emotions directly from their live feed and add them to an avatar. And it says, according to the Sandbox co-founder, co this AI use case allows more expression and feeling in content creation. He also said that um, AI also helped to make the metaverse safer because it can moderate text in chats to reduce toxicity, for example, and, and a more, in a more automated manner. So it, my thing is farming the emotions is to make the experience feel more real. It's like we're getting closer and closer. You know, um, our emotions are being farmed or used to improve our avatars and improve our Web3 experience, experience, which is almost like a symbiotic relationship that they're creating here. 
So um, my question is, how do you feel about uh, AI taking, you know, essentially taking the information of your actual, your face, your emotions, whoops, um, and putting that, you know, kind of smushing it in with like AI or with your, you know, avatar? Like, how does that make you feel? Do you think it's like too close into making us like believe that it's real, you know? Uh, hi, Mac. I mean, honestly, I kind of feel like social media companies have already been doing this to us for years just uh, for advertising purposes. Um, you know, like, I, I only think it is going to get better. It's going to get stronger. We may not be able to tell the difference at one point. But, you know, another thing is these chatbots. Most of the a lot of the customer service chatbots are AI also. And there's so many different areas where AI has already been in use for five, maybe even 10 years plus that we're not even realizing. It's only now that everybody's starting to talk about it because of ChatGPT. When you get 100 million users, no matter what happens, everybody's going to be talking about that. And, you know, it's just like any other hot topic, any other major issue. You get extreme opinions on both sides. And usually reality settles somewhere in the middle. So everybody's just got to think about this for themselves. But AI definitely is a very powerful tool. And it's going to be able to help us in so many different areas of our lives. I agree. And I really like this point of just like AI really can be an amplifier in a lot of ways um, of pretty much like everything of yourself. And maybe even like, let's say it can amplify art in a way or, you know, for us, it amplifies our IP and our message that we want to create and be makes it able to be spread at scale. But still, uh, I guess I was bringing back to like the art point, like there still has to be a central part of just like a human connection and then maybe can amplify. I'm not sure yet if it's at the point where it's, you know, creating that connection, um, you know, in, in the way we know, like in, in the, the physical world between persons to person, but as an amplifier, like AI is amazing. Just like I, I'm already relying on AI. Like I can't go a day without ChatGPT, um, even to help me creatively come up with stuff and it amplifies my work. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that, um, uh, I don't. I don't think we'll. Because again, I think fundamental. There's a fundamental difference. But I don't between between humans and AI. I don't think we'll ever be able to recreate the value that a human adds. We can mimic it, um, like Mech said. But um, the as a social platform for passage, I love the concept of being able to use AI for moderation. You got to be careful, right? In the same way that um, you know AI might amplify anything, it could amplify things like bias, right, across a whole platform. But at the same time, if done right. You have the opportunity for smaller people, right? Think about trying to moderate a social platform as a small independent team. Somebody trying to create a new alternative, and now they've got to, you know, uh, moderate all sorts of nonsense that comes onto the platform from bots, from people, whatever. Uh, it's a full-time job, and so that could be prohibitive for allowing people to create new options for social platforms, right? But if if you can use AI um, to to amplify those types of very menial tasks. Um, where you can you can you have a limited amount of judgment that's being made, right? Because I don't think an AI has judgment, but it can follow rules in a really creative way, right? It can follow rules um, that aren't necessarily explicit. All right, so um, that's why I was waiting a second to make sure nobody wanted to say anything. But um, you're you're talking about uh, creation and, and all that, um, and you know how you uh, Mech, you were saying that if it didn't have the safeguards on there it could like rewrite code it can kind of do whatever it wants to do 
right? And Department 77, you said, you know, that's okay. <laughs> so um, do we need protection from ourselves? Uh, can creation, can the creation, so like, let's say the creation is AI and open AI is the creator. <laughs> let's say, can the creation AI become stronger than the creator if kind of given free will, like taken off the safeguards? This is our little tinfoil talk real quick. So like, example, like if you believe like Lex in God, you know, he's outside of time and space. He can't be bound by what he created. He created that. So he's like outside of it. Right. So since uh, open a, a, um, AI created this, you know, and as a creator outside of time and space, you can see the full spectrum or the picture of what could happen if you were to give creation, quote unquote, the knowledge of good and evil. So my um, little tinfoil hat thing is if we bound AI by rules, kind of like we're bound by like rules that can ne that will never be able to be broken. Like example, we're bound by time and deterioration. We can't escape it. And, you know, you know, we, so since we can't escape death, will the AI be able to help us figure out how to break those rules that we're bound to like in, you know, in our time or in our, in our space and time? You know, that's so I'm going like, question. I'm going, Oh shit. I hope someone's <laughs> got a good answer. I'm, I got no answer for that one. Department 77. Yeah. Let, let me give you a specific example. So with, with technology that we have today that is already available, um, that you can actually play with and you can actually try it. It's just not combined to do the thing that I'm going to give an example of. But with technology that exists today, uh, I, I think that within six to 12 months, uh, there's going to be some kind of service where you upload uh, an audio recording and some images of a deceased loved one, and it's going to be able to jump on a Zoom call with you or a video chat and be convincing enough, right? So uh, convincing enough to um, maybe not in, within the six to 12 months period convince you enough to um, trick you, but that will eventually come. So then, then the question is, if you, can, if you have a deceased loved one and you can talk to them 10 years after they've, they've passed away, uh, on a video chat every day, and it's convincing enough that you are tricked into it, then I think we're going to start questioning what uh, what life is and what reality is and all of that. And we can already do we can already do the beginnings of that today. Moles? Yep. Uh, sorry. <laughs> so yeah, I, I just wanted to mention. I, I think at some point it's going to be able to learn things differently than us because it's it's kind of hard to to tell a model. Like you're not gonna tell a model, or oh, you cannot do this and that and this and that, very clearly, because a model how it learns it's pretty much like us. Let's say you give them like um, a loss function or an objective function, it's like a, it's a concept. But basically, a model it learns from making errors. So you're telling him, okay, so you're gonna learn how to uh, to go get some bread at the grocery store, but uh, like. Maybe the model at the uh, the first time is going to put the house on fire. Okay, that's an error. So he's going to be penalized on the error that he made. And it's one of these things that's kind of hard to tell a model. You cannot do this and that. 
it's you have to put it in like in a mathematical function or a formula or something like that and then it's kind of hard to tell them you cannot do this so that's why for example like in chat gpt models you cannot tell him some words because the model you cannot like tell from inside the model you cannot use this word it's pretty hard to tell him not to use these words so it's actually like some sort of logic that's added on top of the model because these models can do pretty much whatever they want. You can restrain them, but it's a bit hard to restrain them from like doing whatever they want. It's it's possible. It's just a bit hard. So I think they, they can do a lot of stuff. Um, it was FOC or MEC. Which one was it first? It was FOC. I think. <laughs> oh, I thought it was MEC. So for for my conspiracy theories, I would like to mention that. The creepy thing is that AI will eventually grow to a point that it will have such an incredible database of all of the human written knowledge that it can be so incredibly effective at, at things that humans are usually in the positions of. And one example that comes to my mind are like sales callers. You know, those people who call you, they are trying to sell you a product. Just imagine an AI-generated voice that is talking to you, and it has thousands and thousands of different of these phone calls in its history, and it knows exactly how to tell the human the correct response to whatever the human is saying in order to persuade him or her to, to buy that product. And I believe that in this way, advertisements themselves will get so much, so much smarter and a website will be able to generate will be able to decide that if you are moving your cursor or your finger on on your phone in a certain way what it is most likely saying about your position towards buying a product and this way i believe there will be a lot of manipulation coming through ai for both good and for evil oh I, absolutely and that, that's actually something that i wanted to mention uh, when it comes to advertising and marketing and all sorts of services like that Combine that with the psychological profile that's generated on you from social media platforms and add that in with one of these big data companies like Palantir and, you know, uh, robo sales calls. The, these AI machines will be able to, you know, know exactly what to say to you at the exact moment. I mean, it, 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 it's honestly a little scary when you think about it, but, you know, it made me think of one of uh, a movie called Transcendence. I don't know if any of you guys have seen that or. Shit, I hope it, that doesn't happen. And also another TV show, Person of Interest. That's one that, I don't know, like that, that could even be happening right now. Like I, I want to take my tinfoil hat off because I'm, I'm using the Mech Company account. But, you know, AI, like who knows where that thing could go, where that stuff could go. Next time come in the personal account when we want to get weird. Oh, <laughs> and the next person. Please. Hey, I want to step in on that and say that show is amazing. But that's all, that, that me or that's you, all I got seven. to say. Next speaker, please. Uh, you know who you are, because I don't, I don't, I can't remember who was next. <laughs> maybe, maybe that was me. Um, I mean, basically, what's really interesting about this, I, I think it's not so much about telling AI what it can't do, because the problem with AI is it has to explicitly be told what to do. Now, you can give it variables, right? Like there's ways that you can create some sort of flexibility. But I mean, if you understand the way that that code fundamentally works, it's a tree of logic, right? And, and the, the, the potential options can't extend beyond the tree. And with AI, part of the problem is that it learns only inductively and not deductively. If you tell uh, a human, hey, all uh, uh, 
non-married men are bachelors. That's what bachelor means, right? We can deduce, okay, if that guy's not married, he's a bachelor. But the AI by default has no idea what that means, right? And abstract concepts like that are inherently difficult to train into AI because most of what they're doing now is recognizing relationships between pickers, right? Some of the things you guys talked about are like word association or where your mouse moves, right? It, it interprets based off of patterns, um, but that's all it can do. It can only learn inductively based off of patterns and essentially uh, uh, chance, right? Probability, the probability that reacting this way but there's always the chance that it could be fundamentally wrong because it can't into it. It has no intuition, right? So if the probability isn't correct, if this is the 1% chance where no, the person doesn't react that way on the sales call, even though the stimuli are exactly the same, then it's not going to be able to behave the same way and, and be intuitive or flexible the same way that a human can, right? Um, and so at the same time, it, the AI is still bound by human limitations because it could be the most convincing salesman in the world. I think that's a great example because what it could, because it, there's a lot of ways to train uh, word association, right? Where if this person says this, then you say this, right? And you can train that based off of real data, right? Like voice records. Uh, but the problem there is you'll, you'll still never, it's not dangerous at that point. Um, it's cool. It's efficient, but it, you can never, you can still, you still are not able to convince somebody. There's no salesman who could convince somebody to do something or buy something that they fundamentally don't want, right? It might convince them to buy something that they were hesitant to buy, right? But nobody's going to convince me to buy something that fundamentally is not something I would ever be interested in. Department 77? Yeah, I think also let's keep in mind that uh, all the stuff that AI can do is not restricted to only bad things. Like you, It will only also be able to counteract bad things just as efficiently as it can create bad things. So in the example with advertisement, for example, uh, there's, uh, I don't see any reason for uh, us not using AI in a way to counteract bad advertisement at the same level as bad advertisement will be created towards us. So uh, that's, I think that's why I don't really see the doomsday kind of scenario. I don't see the matrix as a realistic outcome because um, I just don't see why it would be purely evil uh, or or rather more evil than not, so to speak. Yeah, I just wanted to add some stuff about what Lex brought about like probability. So just in case you guys didn't know, but like all these AI models are based on probability models. Like there would not be any AI model if there were no probability. Like every model is based on a probability model. And yeah. That that's how it works. Usually, if you guys go see online, the most frequent distribution they use is called the Gaussian distribution. But like, I'll leave that to the geeks. But uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is, you know, I I talked a bit about the objective function where the AI is going to learn to do something. But the crazy thing is, what you have to to imagine is that you only give this AI some restriction and this objective model to get the bread at the grocery store. But like, what's kind of crazy with the model these days, which we call deep learning, and most of the model are, are like this, but the very first models we call linear regression. So it's an AI model, but it's only able to predict with a given capacity. It's only able to predict like straight lines, let's say. But a deep learning model, it's what's crazy about these models is that you're not restricted to linear combinations. So it's, it's able to create things that are not linear. So it, it doesn't make sense, but the model are so strong these days is you just give them an objective function and they can do whatever they want to reach this thing. So that's why sometimes you're just, okay, why is this model understanding this and that? 
when you go deep in a model, let's say you send pictures of cars, you can see that the model is actually learning, okay, this is a wheel on the picture and this is a windshield and stuff like that. So it's, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but I just wanted to add this part. Uh, Mac? Yeah, I mean, something else that I wanted to touch on, <clears throat> all, all AI definitely is an evil. And I think there are way more, uh, I guess, uh, good implications for it and use cases than not. I mean, another big one is going to be the medical field. And when it comes to diagnosing diseases and different sorts of viruses and those types of models, I mean, AI is definitely going to make break ground like medical breakthroughs uh when it comes to that like i, I think you're you're not going to get cures for cancer and all sorts of other horrible diseases without complex ai models sad boy yeah i mean i think all this stuff is really crazy and i was just thinking too about um you know what a uh, departed was saying just about having your own ai that would counteract ai so like there'd be ai obviously trying to get you to buy something and then your own ai that kind of identifies what you like that would like battle against it and be like ai is kind of like fighting and getting information from each other and i think that's a really interesting world that actually we'll probably end up seeing of just like your ai versus the other people's AIs and how they interact and how they learn from each other. And do they find an even ground of a, maybe another product that they can sell you instead, which they would sell to another platform, that information of like, okay, they're not susceptible to this, but they might be able to buy this, or maybe they're 10% more interested now because of that phone call um, uh, selling you something that then now they can sell, put, bring like, they can finally get you over the edge through like a TV advert and they all communicate. So I think marketing is going to change drastically. And I think the life, like the world is going to change drastically in so many different ways. Like just thinking about like even on a large scale, and I love what you said about all the improvements in medical and, and how great it can really be. And it can solve a lot of issues. And I'm even thinking like, all right, like someone can make a model of what the world is, all the information of the world, as much information as the people itself and then start to predict like, okay, what would be the best options? And you could play through all the scenarios and all the new laws that could be passed and be like, all right, what are the long-term implications of like passing this law? What could happen based on the past, based on the present? And you can start like even coming up with what it thinks is the best path for humanity, which is going to be pretty insane, I think. And it's hard to even imagine like what that will be like, but even just like really like a, like Grand Theft Auto, like model of the world and just playing it through like new scenarios of, of, of new, you know, of wars, of, of new laws. There's so many things. It, I, yeah, I don't know where I'm going exactly with it, but I think it is really like scary and interesting to think about. But by the way, real quick, uh, medical research, but also fusion energy, right? If AI can accelerate that and we can get fusion energy going, uh, the world will change drastically, with, even if you take AI out of it after that. So uh, that's why I'm seeing just pure acceleration if it's uh, if it's unleashed. Right. All, all sorts all sorts of data processing and running complex models. I mean, AI is going to do already is doing so much in that area. Moles. Yeah, I just wanted to add some stuff that uh, I think it was uh, Sad Boy that actually brought that up. But the crazy thing is that there are already like models that try to attack other models because like an AI model is going to learn from observation. But like I said it a bit at the beginning, like it learns in very high dimension. But in, when you get in very high dimension, like let's say you go in space, like the most things you see in space is nothing. 
there's no air and there's nothing. So this AI model learns in very high dimension. So and the the crazy thing is that you are able to create models that is sometimes it's called adversarial attack. So it's a model that's gonna attack another model, and it's given it's not robust enough, the model is not behave as expected. So these things already exist, and it's kind of crazy because like people are gonna come up with a better model that is able to attack another model. So it, it gets like I don't know, it's it's kind of weird to that we're going in this direction. So yeah. Oh, but you guys love it. It's just so much fun to talk about this kind of stuff. You know, um, me and Amanda, um, me and Saber, were talking, and um, she had um, we were talking about training. You know, chat bots or like imagine I was imagining like so. You know, Elon is gonna pass away one day or whatever. But imagine like you could get or you could rent um, Elon's like chat GPT that he was like using and essentially collab with Elon's brain for a specific project. But because like, I understand like, you know, oh, AI is so powerful. And, and Amanda was saying like, it would be cool if you could sit in the metaverse, you could essentially sit in the metaverse with Elon and collab with him, but you're, you're not, it's not his, it's not really Elon. It's like his chat GPT. Yeah. That's what I was saying earlier. You're going to, you're going to be able to upload just pictures and audio right uh and you can even but, you can even make like an even better model by if you if you have the person actually upload like a specific script and a specific video and stuff so but wouldn't it be awesome like if it was like ju- you know like all like the full body of like elon's work and everything and it just encompassed in there and then you could essentially like collaborate with elon or like i just i really hope for that day you know, be able to like rent, rent an Elon, you know, for like 24 hours, you can rent an Elon. <laughs> nothing. Nobody's got nothing to say on that. Okay. <laughs> Saber. <laughs> oh, right. sorry. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was really cool. Like when we were talking about how you could like, you know, everybody would want to have like these really intelligent people. Well, intelligent, right? Like people coming into their, their meetings and stuff. And being able to um, access all that information, right? Being able to access them and get like their take on, you know, maybe a new project or a new idea. Um, they would be able to provide information or, yeah, I just think it would be really cool. You know, you step in the metaverse and there's Elon, like sitting at a chair, like waiting to be in your meeting. Like, I just thought it'd be really cool. Well, guys, we have hit an hour and 18 minutes. And we've gone through some different topics and stuff. Um, as always, I love to, you know, respect people's time. Is there any, before I, you know, either wrap it up or if you guys want to continue, is there any specific topics or anything that you guys in the panel would like to chat about or has been on your mind? Um, you're more than welcome to. I can, I just wanted to say that if I sound like an absolute lunatic, it's, uh, just keep in mind that I have strong opinions, but very lightly held. So, oh no, that's perfect. And Sefi got here, Cheppy. I had like an intro and everything. Your name was in it. Like, oh my goodness, can you come up and chat just for just for a few minutes? We got we got here a little bit ago. Hey, Lex, what's up? No, I was just gonna say for one, very excited that Sefi's here. Uh, but two, <clears throat> um, also uh, Department Seventy Seven. I love it. I mean, I love all of it. I think we have to be able to speak boldly uh, to be able to kind of talk about these ideas, right? Um, and and people have to be willing to say, like, you got to be willing to put an idea out there, and somebody else needs to be willing to say, 
well, maybe not, right? Maybe here's a pivot, right? Maybe here's a, and we have to be willing to just go back and forth on this because these are important ideas. And um, for one, you know, I, I want to say none of it's, it's not personal. Like it's, just, it's just an important conversation of ideas, right? But at the same time, it is personal, right? But, but we're all, you know, this is all done with the, the deepest respect for, for each other's ideas and, and, you know, deeply held beliefs. And some of these things, we all know we're still figuring a lot of this stuff out. And I, I'm going to forget who, who said this, but one of you was talking about, it might have been you, Department 77, that um, there will come a point when these AIs can mimic humans very believably. Um, and even that idea of um, being able to have a conversation that is convincingly with a... Uh, oh, Lex, you're, you're rugging. We lost you for a little bit. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Okay, sorry about that. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm pacing as I, as I do in these deep conversations. Um, but point being, uh, you had brought up the idea that we have, we'll have to be thoughtful of um, uh, just w- what do we believe about reality, right? Uh, when, when we can potentially have a conversation that seems like it is with a departed love, right? And I would say we've got to be thoughtful of that, you know, and that's something everyone should be thinking about, you know, whether or not they've encountered AI in their day-to-day life or in their work. Um, we all have to be thinking, what do we believe about the world, right? Do I fundamentally believe that I am a um, deterministic result of particles colliding in a certain way uh, that has been uh, uh, destined by random chance and the collision of our universe, right? Or uh, do I believe that I am a a created being with a soul and an independent will uh, that is not bound by deterministic principles? So all that to say, I love the conversation, love the people, and um, I think you're all thinking good things. This has been some riveting conversation, Sefi. Um, oh, sad boy had his hand up, but let me um, say hello to Sefi real quick. Hey, Sefi, hey, welcome. How are good, you? Good. So, what's the controversy about? <laughs> kind of late, but I mean, we covered uh, a, a couple of things. You know, kind of the halts on AI. Um, covered uh, the creation AI becoming possibly stronger than the creator if it was given free will. We um, chatted about. Um, I would say in many domains, it's already stronger than us now. It's a bit late for that conversation. <laughs> like it can, the capabilities just demonstrably now um, are superhuman by any measure in the history of the human race. I would say that's kind of a simple way to look at it. There is nothing about like if you look at all the combination of things that we can do now. Diffusion, uh, like rendering, um, you know, like the voices, video, um, art, like I don't know, music, you name the domain. And I would say that anybody like, you know, even like, let's say 50 plus, like 50, 60 years ago, like um, these are the things that were predicted by sci-fi or like right around the 60s mostly. And we are there now, pretty much. Like, uh, to some significant perspective, like, we've already sort of created what Lex was talking about, um, creatures that are indistinguishable from humans. Like, so if you were to start today with, like, a child, um, you were to expose expose a child to sort of AI chatbot conversation and, you know, voice, um, a child would not be able to recognize the difference between this and and an actual human. Imagine a child sort of reacts with um, 
a chatbot for like the next, let's say, 10 years. <clears throat> Over that time, the, the capabilities increase um, significantly, obviously. Um, a, you would have a hard time like judging between um, whether an actual human is more truthful and reliable or the actual AI bot at that point. So I think it's going to have really, really deep impact on uh, everything from like parent-child relationships to human-human relationships. You will pretty much judge every human you ever meet based on your most deepest conversations with a like fairly highly intelligent AI. So it just changes our perspective on everything. So it's like, I've said this before, like this is the deepest cultural shift uh, ever for the human race, I would say, more so than even like uh, money and God and all the other things that we think about um, affecting the, the course of human civilization. So we're really in like one of the deepest changes ever. So to say that like anyone is mentally prepared for it, you are not, I promise you. Uh, there's almost zero chance of that. It doesn't matter. Even if those playing around here, we're not ready for it. Like, and we're playing around with basic tools, right? But like the life-changing impact, like for a next generation is going to be very impressive. Sophie, um, wow. I like, I like everything you said. That was amazing. Um, uh, Raccoon had your hand up. Did you want to respond yeah, to that? Yeah, I just wanted to add a bit of, of stuff of what uh, Sefi just said. But like, if you start to look at like uh, an AI model playing chess or Go or actually understanding languages, like the crazy thing is when you train an AI model on language, like you're trying to transfer from Italian to Spanish and stuff like that, or you 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 give your model like reinforcement learning model playing go like usually you have a human benchmark so let's say the human benchmark is 100 and then you're training a training an ai model that learns to translate different languages or playing a chess game the crazy thing that sefi said is there's already models that are so good they like exceed the human baseline so these models well there's no like general ai model or uh, like that is able to be better than a human in a lot of different things. But like, there's a lot of models that are so good at doing one thing that they actually already exceed what the human is capable of. But the crazy thing is when at some point, like ChatGPT is able to do a bunch of things. And then when you're able to mix all these models together, that they are able to do better than human in like 10 things, that's where it's gonna get crazy. Because as of now, like many models are able to be better. But when you have one model that's better in many things, it's going to get crazy, I think. Yeah, the, the kind of like the date, the number of items coming out daily in terms of what you're talking about, which is multimodal connectivity, where you connect one thing to the other, you know, like you add stable diffusion to GPT or you add um, like diffusion model to making music or analyzing music, for example. And then you take like you could take something like a verbal description of a song and then take that description, put it into like mid journey, create an image from it, right? <laughs> you could take that image and then drop it. Like the permutations are getting a bit ridiculous. And the speed, like I would say like, let's say five years from now, it would be somewhat possible to have more AI generated content on the internet than human content um, quite quickly. And then like, how are you gonna know the difference? Like, you know, your baseline for like your, like the, your baseline for what you consider a smart individual or like smart art or whatever you want to call it is really going to increase fast. And like everyone's perception of like reality just simply changes. Like a good example would be like, okay, 
right now you're used to be on your Wi-Fi, on your smartphone, or your, your cell network. I mean, it wasn't that long ago where we'd have to find a signal, right? We'd have to, you know, oh, like, and, and but now like our behaviors changed. We're like, hey, where's the Wi-Fi? Like, why isn't the Wi-Fi working at the airport? Expectations change very, very quickly. The difference here and why it's so culturally important is our expectations of other people are going to change very quickly. Um, whereas like Wi-Fi and computers and even calculators don't necessarily like just because there exists a calculator, you know, like you're not saying, oh, it's dumber than the mathematician or whatever, or smarter than a mathematician. This is different. Um, this is where the, the thing is actually as smart as many people on this planet and can pass all sorts of tests and things. And you have this on tap. You have literally like this, like, you know, sub genius level, you know, or let's say it's like, let's say it's IQ hundred level. Even you have a personal assistant with that level of IQ all the time. When in human, in human history, is that the case? Pretty much never. So it's going to change. See, I, I think I think this is important on a quantity level, but not on a quality level. Right? I'm going to disagree with you there completely. The quality is improving. Well, no, no, like, no, by I, the minute. I understand. Like by the minute. Well, no, no, but that, that's not the thing, though. That's not the thing. The quality is literally determined by human input, right? So it, by definition, cannot create something that is of higher quality than the input that was put into it. Right. Mm, this so is not true either. Make, have, <laughs> it's not true. Well, let, Al make a, let me make is, a complete point here. AlphaFold is basically producing here. entire protein sequences that we don't have the cognitive capability to produce. Proteins that would like we'd use to treat cancer and things of that nature. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's beating us by like a huge stretch on something. Then how do you have the ability to evaluate them? Um, you actually have to the produce the protein and test them. it. In, how do we know it's not just nonsense? Um, you'd have to actually produce the protein and test that it's not nonsense. But the point is, it's was that. You're, it's let me let me kind of clarify. Like Google DeepMind's AlphaFold is taking a process with crystallography that used to take about ten years to identify the tertiary structure of a protein, and it's taken that down to like several months. That's great. That's quantity. Um, no, that's godlike power. That's what that is. I mean, you, as an actual you can describe it that way, right? That's 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 a great. Well, and I'm not saying that's not significant. I, I'm the last person to say this isn't significant. I'm just saying it is a quantitative difference, not a qualitative difference. It's right? both. And, and a lot of this human, does, it does better well, job. Than hold up, hold up. Let me make a complete point here. Sometimes you, I have thoughts. You follow me? But like, expressed in more than two sentences. Hey, Steffi, let, let, him, let him finish his thought. No, totally. But I, and here's the thing. I appreciate a lot of what you're saying in terms of the magnitude. Um, but when, when, when you start this by saying this idea that like, you know, n nobody is prepared for this. That was kind of the point that I was making when you came in was that I think the people who aren't prepared for this are, I mean, primarily people who haven't thought about the fundamental underlying principles of the reality we're dealing with anyways, right? So we have, we have to deal with the same problem. The, talk, the thing you're talking about, identifying the output of an AI versus a human. I mean, goodness, if you have thought about even, um, you know, a, a Hume's problem uh, of inductive reasoning about the idea of the reality around us, right? How do we know? That the things that we're seeing are reality, right? Like people have been questioning these things for literally thousands of years, right? I think a lot of this is is certainly philosophical in nature. It comes down to whether or not. No, no, no. How about hold a second? Are... This is going to materially impact every single human being on, that you're in touch with right now. It's not like one of those things where it's like subjective or it's going to be like no. This think of it like radiation, like radi. So if you think about things, subjective things like money or God. It's like, it's, a, it's an experience, right? You say, okay, I'm, I'm gonna have a religion, I'm gonna have philosophy, I'm gonna produce money and it's gonna have well, value. You might believe something. The difference is like a radiation, like if you have a piece of uranium and it's radiating, it actually has a material impact on your physical experience. 
these things have a direct impact on your physical real world experience ultimately right there's a big difference between like just some philosophical construct like it's going to impact your life personally a lot within five years a lot and i think it's really again, important I, to sort of like digest that, part. that idea and i think i think that that in and of itself is a philosophical statement that you believe that some of those things are subjective versus other are objective right uh and, and for one that requires uh uh deduction no like, right the idea no, no, of like larger principles to smaller principles which is an abstract principle in and of itself um no no, no. as a doctor you're, you're using logic to say it's not a hold on. as a doctor i can get gpt to take over about 50 percent of my workload now that's the that's the capability 50 percent the same thing about my own work but you follow what i'm saying like it's not just like an abstraction it is actual reality that that's the level these things are at now that's what i'm but again i don't think i contradict anything you're saying now uh, again, but I believe that those things are are quantitative, not qualitative. That was the fundamental difference. It's, they're and both. Again, everything you're describing is. Uh, maybe we need to define our terms then. Um, I, I I love this conversation. We we need to have an extended conversation where we have the ability to kind of define some of these terms. I'll say this: I thoroughly enjoy this conversation. Uh, and Steffi, I would love to talk more. Qualitative, quantitative. Hey, the I figured out that Mech is next. What was up? You had your hand up. Honestly, sir. the the what these guys are talking about right now, I, I'd rather listen to it because I was just going to ask something um a little lower level. The, these guys sound like they're about to just bless us with a whole bunch of knowledge. But my question was, I mean, I'm kind of curious when when everybody thinks that colleges are going to start having prompting courses, how to like use AI and take full advantage of that. Like, yeah, I mean, as an example, like I'm, I'm a medical school professor, so I teach doctors to be doctors, right? I teach residents to become internal medicine physicians and all that. So like, I know for a fact, this is going to affect everything from like what we do on admission committees, like when it comes to people producing personal statements, just, you know, created via GPT. We've had a meeting about that last month. We know that it's going to have an impact on um, all of teaching from elementary school onwards in the sense that like when you have your own personal AI teacher teaching you SAT words and whatever the heck else you want to know all day long, you can imagine that's going to impact like our general level of intellect coming in. It's going to change how we acquire information like with patients and such in that like use a, use a tool, simple tool like um, otter.ai, for example. You could, have a, you could take this whole conversation and it will turn it into bullet points, notes, and a freaking PowerPoint for you if you have slides. And it will do that for you, like just off a YouTube video or off a conversation like this. So if like me and a patient are speaking, like let's say about some issue for half an hour, it can not only take all that data and digest it, but also structure it into how I'd normally write it as a doctor in like a typical documentation, like literally do the, all the work for me. Like it's not like, it's not like a, a stenographer. Imagine like if I'm dick like dictating to like dragon dictate right or siri or something like that that just takes the information just like copies it in for my voice that's still pretty impressive like that's still great technology but it doesn't organize the data like the way a doctor would write it on a piece of paper right so all that changes and then the question is like how do you do you train medical students how to do this do you like plan a world around it do you change like policy in terms of how like doctors are paid there's all sorts of like major um, changes that happen as a result of this. And, and they're very material and they're very immediate, meaning like schools and medical schools and universities and everybody are trying to figure out what to do. Um, and some places have just like outright sort of banned GPT for a while just to see what happens because everyone's just trying to play catch up essentially. But like it, 
it's impacting people quite quickly. It's, um, you know, it, like we, we're going to have to change how we teach everything. Um, because in the world of AI, you have this like assistant all the time to do all sorts of things. You know, we've had arguments like, well, are the students going to get dumber, right? <laughs> because like this thing does too much stuff for them. Are they going to become smarter because it's teaching the whole time? Um, all these things are possibilities and, and both could be true, right? You could have some kids that thrive on this sort of thing, right? They talk with the AI and like they know how to double check it and they're like, oh, okay. And they're, and they train it, make it better and make it useful. And then other people that just literally just get dumber, right? Like they just don't, like they just rely, rely upon it too much, like you said. And, you know, maybe it says something inaccurate or whatever. Um, yeah. But, but remember, this is today, like in five years, like the amount of innovation, how, where this is going to be is going to be truly breathtaking. And that's the thing. It affects all of our kids and how we teach our kids and everything. Yeah, and I, I do agree with that. And maybe the, the, the distinction that uh, I was trying to make was that uh, I don't believe that um, when I said qualitative is quantitative, I guess I'm talking about the AI itself. But I even believe uh, a quantitative change um, can have qualitative improvements like you're describing in terms of like how it affects. Because I, I definitely don't disagree that it's a material difference. And that'll drastically affect a lot of these these workflows and it'll have fundamental improvements and changes. I mean, we have a bot that attends our meetings um, in Passage uh, and in Google Meet um, that does exactly what you're talking about. Right. That doesn't just take notes or dictate, but it actually formats the notes and things like that. So I totally agree with a lot of that. And I think part of that is not necessarily because when I, I got to hop. I got to put kids to bed in a second here, but um, not because. Uh, the, the AI itself is a qualitative improvement over, over human intelligence, but because the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, right? You can have a quantitative yeah, increase like, that has qualitative improvement and that allows people to do more and accomplish more, even though it isn't uh, uh, fundamentally Like, I'll give you a couple of just quick examples and then we can kind of jump to whoever. Hey, I, I do get yeah, no problem. Though, but I would love to but talk, like, talk If you look at me. Alpha Chess, which is uh, Google DeepMind's sort of like chess player, and if you look at Alpha Full, I'm sorry, um, Alpha Star, which is a StarCraft player, or uh, Alpha Go, which is the Go player, these are sort of like video game implementations um, in a sense, and they can play chess and Go and StarCraft and whatever. Um, what's interesting about those things is not only could they just play a whole lot of games, like millions and millions and millions of games, and then play it's, itself and get better. What happened was there were qualitative improvements. Qualitative meaning like there's subject, there's actual improvements in the game of chess that were emergent from AI playing chess a lot. There were actual like moves that people didn't know before. The same thing is true of Go. The world's like best Go player like was net was undefeated, and finally this thing beat him. And what was special about this was strategies that human beings hadn't thought of were some moves that like emerged from, you know, from this thing kind of like uh, playing and then was able to strategize. So I wouldn't uh, underestimate this idea that like it, AI creates new things. It mo they most definitely create new things. And there's many, many, many examples of this. So it's not like you can say, well, you know, these don't produce, when people like get caught up in GPT, they're thinking of like, oh, it, it trained on human data and then, you know, it's talking to us. Remember LLMs are just supposed to be a language bot they're not intended to like solve the mysteries of science and shit like it what it does really well is it can speak english back and forth to you really really well in fact it can do better job at that than probably 95 percent of the human race that by itself is important enough you can connect things like calculators and science projects and other bullshit to the gpt system all you needed it to do is speak language really well 
But that was the only function that really important one. The fact that it does all sorts of other crap, just because like, wow, like it's, that's just surprised everybody, right? Like that should worry you even more. Um, like that's it, like we went from having uh, something that can just simply speak to surprising you in a, a gargantuan number of ways without even trying, right? Like people didn't try to make it do that. It just got it just, it just it started, got really good at it, right? So, so then, the, I got. I want to give a. I know, Sefi. I know you. I know. Can we let can we let moles up real quick? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I was gonna add something a bit similar to what Sefi said, but basically, like myself, my point of view is just seeing the AI as like an assistant. Because you know, you go back a hundred years. And then back in these days, people just had to look into an encyclopedia to basically have an answer to these things. And now we have internet and we look at it. But when you think about it, like an AI model is trained on a bunch of things. And if you're giving him like shitty data, he's going to learn some bias and stuff. But when you think about it, like back in the days, there were different people writing encyclopedia and they were writing a bit in their own way. Yeah, it was some sort of like knowledge that's written in this book. But like we need to see AI as the almost the same thing. We just we can learn from them. Like Sifi said, there's a bunch of models that learn to play Go and chess. And it's actually true that you can see that they are learning like moves that people never actually did because they're learning to beat an opponent and stuff like that. So I think we actually need to see it as our assistant because we can learn from it. But the only place where we need to be careful is when a model is trained on heavy bias. So if it learns to do bad things or it sees things that we us we don't really see because it can learn a bunch of things. It's very high dimensional. So we need to be careful about the bias, but I think the best thing is we can learn from it and then just disregard the things that we don't think we should learn. It's it's my opinion, but I think it's I see it as a, our assistant too, let's say. Yeah, it's kind of like, don't you think the problem is gonna be that probably like let's say for example, if I were to I'm trained in medical things, right? Let's say I were to make something up right now and it sounds really, really good. Maybe even has a basis in some reality in like some Google sheet somewhere about something, right? Um, like I could probably make up a big story about high dose vitamin C for septic shock is useful. And you could even go to the internet and find articles that suggest that might be the case. As an expert, I know this is simply not true and there's no randomized control evidence for this. But the problem is, is you as the listener, I could make up all sorts of shit and you wouldn't know if I was telling the truth or not, right? The problem is like the cult, another cultural shift, like you mentioned, is going to be this problem of like, who is the arbiter of truth? Because, you know, how are you going to be able to tell when it's telling you a truth or a lie um, if you don't even know yourself, like how to recognize that? So, yeah, it doesn't completely eliminate experts or whatever yet. But remember, like GPT, as an example, is not tied directly to, say, for example, medical databases and trained specifically in a medical context. When you do that, though, it's going to be damn good at it. Right. And then on top of that, if you tie into like if you weight it so that like, let's say the, you know, American critical care guidelines and the European critical care association guidelines, those become like weighted higher then it's going to be able to answer all sorts of questions for you with a very high degree of accuracy and probably better than most medical students, I would bet, because most students haven't learned those things yet. So there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of uh, capability. What, what you're seeing today in this, I shouldn't, you shouldn't like overthink it, like in the sense that like within a year, we're talking about dramatic, dramatic improvements will happen. And that's, that's what we're about to see. So don't get too hung up on so, today, in other words. Um, right. Um, 
Oh, was somebody? Oh, Mulder. yeah. I just I was just gonna say what Sefi said is I totally agree with what you just said. And the cool thing is that that's where we're gonna need some human intervention because at the end of the day, like an AI model is gonna learn from what you give it. Like if you're giving him like like Sefi said, like these specific books that are telling the truth, and then you put a lot of weight. How it works is that you said that these data points should take like a weight of two, and these data points that are let's say shitty book, they take a weight of zero dot five or like minus one let's say so that's where i think the human intervention intervention will be uh necessary because like if you feed the model shitty stuff it's gonna learn shitty stuff sorry about that i was um going to ask one last thing um before we because we're getting close to the two hour mark guys and we've been here for a while and you know i don't want to keep us too long i just had one last um quick question to ask um the crowd and then you guys can uh, I mean, the panel, and you guys can let me know what you think. Um, you know, technology is speeding up everything that we're able to do. The, the computational power behind everything is, is really sped up. It's, do you believe this is going to facilitate different income streams for those people who are learning to leverage this technology? Like now that AI is going to continue to learn and people are just going to start, you know, maybe really relying on it. Do you think there's going to be this like huge transfer of wealth to those who leverage the power of, a of AI to build as opposed to those who choose not to? Yeah, pretty much for sure. Um, I think it's one of those things that if you're doing things relatively early, um, I think it's going to have the greatest material impact. Like say, for example, I'm an architect and I use Revit, which is an architecture package from Adobe. And let's say there's some AI thing that allows me to say, um, which there is, by the way, <laughs> like this is not theory. There's a, a way to sort of like take, take my building that I've drawn and I can talk to it and say, hey, um, you know, uh, give me, I want this to have the look of like a railway box car and I want to have this colors on it. And I want to have like that roof and that color. And I want it to be a picture at sunset. And I want you to render this for me with a little bit of fog or something. Like what you're able to do now with some combination of, mid-journey diffusion type things and then like your architecture stuff is you can get a rendering immediately that rendering you can then take to a client and even show them like a dozen different versions hey do you like this color do you like that and the client says oh maybe change this to this and then you just tell the machine okay change this to brown boom it's done like you don't even have to type anything so yeah the architect is utilizing that now going to be ahead of the one that isn't sure is the architect that's on Rev going to be better than one that is not, who's just doing standard drawings? Yeah, because you're going to be able to do more buildings in the same time period. But if you're already, if you and me are both using Revit already, these things have gotten so easy to use that like the, the amount of time it takes for someone else to become just as competitive as you, we're talking about, you know, under a few years at best. Like, it's just not rocket science. So the problem is, is like, you democratize computer programming, you de democratize like capabilities that you would have had to call someone else for. And everything gets much, much faster. And the public expectation increases quickly, right? Like, oh, you're an architect that only shows like one rendering. My architect showed me 10, uh, <laughs> like in the last hour. And oh, you, you're, you're a musician and you, you've created music for this movie. And it took you like six days. Well, I know this guy who does it in like, you know, 
you know, and you know, six hours or whatever. Like, so expectations are going to start to change really, really fast. So, how, can you make more money if you're in it early? Sure. How long is that going to last? Um, imagine you're going to college this year. Let's say four years later, is your degree actually something that this thing's better at than you are? Probably. So now what? Like, where do I stand then? So I think kids are going to have a real, real significantly hard time. Um, coping with like what this means. Um, it's going to be okay. existentially quite depressing to, for a lot of people, unfortunately, because our ego is wrapped up in our intellect. If you're, you know, if you're above a hundred IQ and you have like some kind of professional job of some kind, your ego is wrapped up in your daily activities. You're, you're feeling like, okay, what I'm doing <laughs> matters, all those things. Right. So there's going to be a lot of like just mental health issues too. that go. Selfie. Um, I want to get to FOC. That was funny. I liked it. Um, <laughs> And that was true. I, I completely, um, FOC? I, I completely agree with everything that Sefi has said. I believe AI will allow us to make the learning curve of everything way easier. Like when you imagine that you have this crazy imagination of something that you want to draw in your head, and then you pick up the pencil and you start drawing, and it doesn't at all look like what is there in your head, what is your imagination, what is your vision with the product. I believe with AI, we can all become amazing painters and amazing drawers and just utilize this technology to its best extent to guide AI to do all of the hard technical stuff that we were used to learning. And I also believe that there is a great impact when it comes to learning itself. Just the fact that you can have 24 seven someone who can explain any question that you that you ask it in many different ways so you can understand it. I believe this tech is absolutely destructive when it comes to wealth itself. And I believe those who start learning about this technology can already find use cases how they can make their lives way easier. And in the end, the, the important thing in my opinion is that by giving less and less energy to this work, we will free up our times to do stuff that is more meaningful for human connection. We can start depending less and less on this act of work and we can get more into our creative sides. Wow, I really love that. That was amazing. I, I, I love the way you, you put it because it just frees up your time for you to actually go out there, touch grass and really do the things that you love instead of like grinding so hard um, in the nine to five. So. We're here at, at seven. It's uh, we're here at ten minutes before the two hour mark. I want to say thank you to everybody for coming, and I also wanted to say if anybody had final thoughts, you got like a minute to thirty seconds to give your final thoughts, and then we can boogie on out. I am so thankful that you guys came and and hung out with us, um, shared your 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 beautiful minds, <laughs> and um, I'm so excited to hear more on you know other shows. So does anybody have any final words? FOC? I just want to say thank you to everyone who has made this space happen. I'm impressed with everyone who was here on the speaker panel. I have learned a lot myself. And I just want to give this invitation to the listeners. If you aren't using AI in some way, I would advise you to just try it out. If you are an artist or you are designing something, try out using Midjourney for a bit. If you are writing or coding, try using ChatGPT for a bit. If you are having meetings, 
check out Whisper and see how you can use Whisper to summarize your meetings. Just like I, I believe that learning this tech right now will be very important because as this tech advances, it will get much more powerful. And right now we are at the beginning of, of being able to grasp what this will grow into. So th th those are my last thoughts. Thank you so much for the invitation. It has been a blast. I'd like to say the same thing as FOC. It was a very fun space, fun to see like people's opinion on AI, how they, they see it and how they think it will impact the uh, future of life, let's say. But yeah, thanks for making this space happen. It was pretty fun and it was fun to hear everyone. My final words are unleash it, YOLO. <laughs> right? All right. <laughs> yeah, I think the the way I would describe this is the old world is basically like uh, imagine we've opened this Pandora box. Um it's become more apparent to everybody cuz so many different tools are happening simultaneously and they're pretty good too like they're quite useful. They're not like at a level where it's like rudimentary and makes, you know, and it's terrible. So we're at that point, that takeoff point where the old world is basically gone. Like if you stay reminiscing and go, I wish it goes back to the way it was and all this other BS, the problem is going to happen is that you, like, this is going to keep moving. Mm, you want you don't want to be in denial for too long. If it's going to affect your work, your type of work that you do or whatever, um, you do need to like put food on the table. So like if you're in whatever these fields are that are being affected, which is basically everything except a janitor, I think. There's a pretty good uh, like article on this on, uh, I think, uh, Wall Street Journal or something, where um, they put a kind of an effect of each profession and what they think that you know, the impact these things might have. The reality is, like, people need to plan their work around these things. We, this is not just purely, like, stay in denial and hope nothing happens or whatever. Like, you really need to plan your workflows and everything else and say, wait, like, if this takes over this part of my workload, what am I going to do differently during that time? How am I going to use my time effectively and like put food on the table? I think all those things are really important. All of the other things that we do, like, um, for example, uh, you know, uh, hoping for the best, that's good too, but you really have to kind of plan the basics first, I think. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. Thank you for coming. Thank you for hanging out. Um, EJ, Saber, before we leave, do you guys have some final? Uh, I just, I loved listening to this space. Um, sorry, I wasn't the best co-host. I, I have my littles running around. Um, but thank you so much. I learned so much. I learned so much. The only thing I do, I use for AI is mid-journey so far. So I'm going to have to check out ChatGPT. I know um, B-Bands does a little bit more with that. Um, and ghostskater.eth, I know that, I see that you have requested, but we are leaving it for um, invited panel guests only just because it is quite a long space. Um, so I hope, I hope you understand and yeah, thank you to all of the guests for coming. I, like I just said before, I enjoyed it and I learned so much. So thank you. Okay. Looks like EJ's probably, um, indisposed. So again, thank you guys. Have a wonderful evening, afternoon, day, whatever part of the time of day it is. And, uh, good night. Goodbye. I see you real soon. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was The World of AI with Artists and Builders. Hosted by B-Bands with the Space Skellies. Recorded on Thursday, April 6th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. I'm a real boy. Thanks for listening.
If you want to keep listening, head on over to terraspaces.org slash donate and show some support meow. Down the street in my six foe. I never had a six foe. A kid can wish though. I snapped a wishbone and grabbed a fistful. Chilling with the dopey, this a weed is all I wish for. I'm feeling blissful. I got a missus. My ginger always down to ride no matter what the mission. I'm seeing this song. Got a couple albums out. We do alright, but it ain't really shit to write home about. Like to feed the fishbowl. Keep my stories mystical. I like my beats. Boom, bap and rap to be lyrical. I'm feeling cynical. Craving a little ritual. Save my place in line while I try to find a miracle. I keep looking and looking and looking, but never find nothing. We've been lied to, thinking this surprise of the super secret lies. Motherfucker sneak inside, going dark. Now believe me when I say this shit is do or die. Going dark. Now believe me when I say this shit is do or die. Going dark. Now believe me when I say this shit is do or die. Trenches, trying to stay offensive Trespassing here like this land looks expensive Ain't no time like the present Trying to stake a claim Just make sure your claim stays away from all these other claims We're almost kind of running out of land here Living in the day of the dead and it's damn weird Same teams y'all, we just trying to get a bite to eat A little rest saved up, waiting for my time to sleep Head down, middle fingers up, yo I'm wide awake Never hesitate to stay about a hundred miles away Seven times space while I wrecking ball the place I expect you all to play, running marathons today When the... Sick get sicker and the rich get richer It might be about time to rearrange our dinner Fix the system, the shit, it's all nicks Waking up early, gonna suck today's Going dark now, believe me when I say this shit is do or die Going dark now, believe me when I say this shit is do or die Totally gonna take care of Angela, man. He's he's great. He's a wonderful lab partner, so it's gonna be cool. We'll keep an eye on her. Why don't you go fuck yourself, you weird little prick? I'm a teacher, okay? You can't talk to me like that, guy. I'm not a student, so I can say whatever the fuck I want. Terror spaces.